Hey, you're you're my life coach, Tim. Wow. That's that's good. That's better than my life coach. Tim yeah. learned at the feet of uh, Jonathan. I try not to think about that. And uh, now, you know, just like a disciple of Christ, he is going out and spreading the good news. He's evangelizing. That's yeah. right. He is taking the word to the masses. So I didn't know what a blumpkin was before John. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that really has improved your life, too, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, words can't express. Books with Aaron, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Wayne. This is Tim. <laughs> this is Andrew. Yeah, I stopped all over you, Tim. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> I knew you were going for it. I wasn't going to let you take it. Sons of bitch. <laughs> it's been too long since we've been on the bikes together. I wasn't letting that second spot go. And there you well, go. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> It's, it's also been a long time since Aaron went to a movie and has been this glowing. It's like he's expecting with child is how much Aaron is glowing this morning. I got to tell you, I went and saw John Carter yesterday. Took half the day off of work to go do it. Totally worth it. That movie was fucking awesome. I, uh, I, I walked out of the movie feeling like I did when I saw, you know, Star Wars the first time, you know, episode four. I, I wanted to just turn right back around and go see it again. The it, it, it is, was just a fantastic movie. And really, I have no complaints. And I can't think of the last time I walked out of a movie and didn't have any complaints. It was fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, you got to go see it. Nobody has sold me on this movie yet. I've never read any of the books. I don't know anything about it other than it sounds like Adam Strange. The the movie is based on the A Princess of Mars, written by Edgar Rice Burroughs, like in 1910 or something. Um, it is, uh, you know, the the book. I was actually a little concerned about how they were going to adapt it because the book is very dated in terms of uh, gender roles. So, like, you know, uh, Dejah Thoris, the you know Princess of Mars, is a a story device to rescue. I'm going to rescue the princess, and she's helpless, and yada, yada. And they do a really good job of making her a strong female character and making her role really meaningful in the book. I mean, they updated it fantastically. But the, the concept of, of, the, of the book and of the movie is that you have a Southern Civil War veteran, uh, John Carter, who, for whatever reason, walks into a cave, something magical happens, and he appears on Mars. And he has all these wild adventures on Mars. It, the the story is just fantastic, and the the special effects were amazing. They have these uh, uh, creatures called Tharks, which are nine foot tall, four armed uh, green men, you know, with big tusks and whatnot. And you know, if you've ever read a John Carter comic book, either one of the Marvel books or the current Dynamite run, some artists have a really hard time drawing that and making it look, you know, acceptable. In fact, while I'm really enjoying the Dynamite book, some of the artists they have are really hit and miss on how they illustrate the Tharks. 
Uh, but the digital effects were so freaking amazing. I mean, the, the arms looked natural. They looked, you know, they looked appropriate and they, each one of the arms was, was animated and the acting of the digital characters was fantastic. I just, I just love this movie. The airship battles, you know, the, you know, you've got these, you know, light sail kind of vehicles, uh, that are traveling through the air again, just amazing. Loved this movie. Did they stick with him being a Civil War vet, or? Yeah, sure did. He, uh, you know, he is. It was a a Southern uh, Civil War captain, uh, fought for the Army of North Virginia, and you know, stuck with that. Did not shy away from it. A just really strong movie. Now, now, did he spend more? Did it take more or less than eight minutes for him to get to Mars in the movie? You know, it's funny because the the movie has several opening sequences. It opens up with you know some stuff going on on Mars before John Carter gets there, and then it comes to you know Victorian uh, uh, the Victorian you know United States where he's being pursued by somebody, and then cuts back to Arizona where you know in the days after the Civil War. So I mean there's there's like three different openings to the movie, um, but yeah it's in rather short order he's on Mars. Okay. You know, and I was real concerned because if you if you've ever read the book, the book is ex- extraordinarily violent, and the comics are very violent. You know, it, this is this is a you know a pulp book, uh, uh, you know, it's pulp media, and you know, in a PG thirteen film, I was a little concerned that they weren't going to be able to capture that essence, and they did a fantastic job of capturing uh, the feel of the book, both the comic and the uh, and the novel. While not being so gratuitous that it couldn't be a PG-13 film, I, I just – again, writing was fantastic. Directing was fantastic. Special effects were fantastic. There was nothing not to like about this movie. I even I even downloaded the, the soundtrack when I got home last night. I mean, <laughs> soundtrack's done by the same guy that did the Star Trek 2009 uh, soundtrack, Michael Giacani, I think is his name. Uh, just fantastic. So now, am I safe to say that you are a fan of the original book series as well? I am. I am, and a fan of the comics. In fact, I've spent the last week reading the Dynamite books. Dynamite had this fantastic comicsology sale at ninety nine cents, and so I bought like fifteen issues of uh, you know Warlord of Mars, bought the Fall of Barsoom, I bought Warriors of Mars. I mean, just all these different series that they've done, and I hadn't read any of the Dynamite comics uh, prior to this week, and they're all really good. Some questionable art choices in those books. But the stories have been very enjoyable, very enjoyable. And yes, fan of the novels as well. Been a long time. I read the novels 20 years ago. Well, Wayne, has he won you over? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds potentially interesting, but I'm seeing so many bad reviews of it. I mean, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 50%. And everyone's saying it's mediocre at best. And I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I, I, I saw some bad pre-press, but you know, everybody in the theater that I sat in yesterday, and and it was a sold-out theater at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, everybody in that theater walked out high-fiving. You know, it seemed smiles wasn't that great, that kind of thing. There were moments in that movie where I was like, oh hell yes. Aaron yeah. walked out of the theater, saw a nurse standing out the lobby, grabbed her, kissed right. her. It was great. That's exactly right. I've it's been, been upgraded to rent when it comes out on DVD, though. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm 
I'm going to push a little bit more than that. I'm I'm pl- hopefully going to see it tomorrow night. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts on it? Nah. Man. Well, I tell, you, I tell you what, Adamant Entertainment has released, I want to say, uh, at least three, and it may be five, uh, Mars uh, role-playing supplements for in the tone of John Carter over the last couple of weeks. And I, I, I have been voraciously reviewing them uh, because now now I've got this bug in me. I need to do a John Carter game. <laughs> Cause Stop I, wait. That, yeah, I know. Wait, I know. weren't you going to do a Dune game last I'm week? I'm still going to do a Dune game. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't there a Star Trek game at some point? I'm still going to do a Star Trek game. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is I'm going to have to quit my job so I can play all the games that I want to play. Well, now you're now you're using your head. <laughs> do you think you can work some sort of uh, American Beauty type deal out at your at your employer? That's always possible. That's you know, always if you possible. quit your job, what kind of internet connection can you get in a van down by the river? Because if you get a solid internet connection, I'm okay with you living in a van down by the river. Now, you see, the great news in Texas is that at those rest stops along the interstates, they have free Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You're, you're set. Run more games for us. <laughs> well, I, I mean, think we all know somebody who's beta testing the river uh, scenario, so yeah. <laughs> get yeah. some feedback on that. Um, so, you know, we, we, were, we were talking about games. Um. And a game came out this week. Are any did you, any of y'all pick up Mass Effect Three? Oh my god, it's so good. So I haven't picked it up yet. For this is my rant, actually. Uh oh, look out! Uh-oh. I've played this thing on Steam for one and two. Yeah. And it's not available on Steam for three because EA wants to only have it as part of Origin. Uh-huh. I want nothing to do with Origin. What, I don't trust the. What is, the, what is Origin? Or, Origin is their version of Steam. It's their content delivery system and agent, and I'm going to scan your system for any EA products, and I have the worst uh, you know, end-user license possible. Gotcha. And I don't trust EA. I don't want their software on my – you know, their agents on my computer. I don't want another delivery system on my computer. So I was kind of torn about – Am I, you know, where, what am I going to buy this for? I have two save games to import, so I want it for PC, but I don't want this damn Origin client on my computer. But I have two save games, so I broke down and installed Origin <laughs> last night. <laughs> I'm buying it for PC, but I am not happy about it because I wanted it on Steam like the other games. Right. Wayne, I did not see that end coming. <laughs> it was a twist. <laughs> Wait, yeah, actually, you know, I, I was ridiculously stupid for Mass Effect Three to come out. Um, I was, uh, I was even out at midnight waiting for this thing, uh, for for Best Buy to open up and bought it at a midnight release. And you crack me up. I, it was great. I got there at like you know eleven fifteen at night, right? Because mm-hmm. you know it's it's no big deal. Uh-huh. It's no big deal. I'm at the I'm at the store at eleven fifteen at night, standing in line in the bitter cold. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't bitter. Well, cold. I'll be honest. The only reason I haven't bought it yet was I didn't want to have it downloading while we were recording and have it imp- impact my sound quality. <laughs> so it's I got not there. Sound like you, Wayne. It's not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I got there at, at eleven fifteen. I was the seventh person there. Uh, the best part were these three, and I was by far, probably by at least a decade, the oldest person there at that point. Um, and so I get there and three guys, the three youngest guys were like, yeah, we've been here since six in the afternoon. I'm like, are you joking? Yeah. We thought there'd be more people six in the afternoon coming out for like, man, you guys got too much time on your hands. Yeah. 
But uh, ended up having about 30 people showed up, uh, standing in line for it, and uh, picked it up. Played it for an hour. It was great. Uh, the rest of my work week was super busy, and uh, I have not had a chance to play it again. Well, I am looking forward to playing Mass Effect 3 just as soon as I get off one of the opening screens of Mass Effect 2. <laughs> I still have that thing I can't figure out what it wants me to do. Well, what thing? There is, it's asking me to do, you know, to hit a, a, a key. And I, 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 it's been a while since I've had it done, but it's asking me to hit a key that I don't have and I don't understand what it's asking me to do. And I've gotten, this, I got frustrated with it and, you know. Is this before or after the game actually starts? Uh, this is during the whole demo thing where it's like, you know, here's how you use your gun. Yes. <laughs> right. At the very beginning when they, when they yeah. start you out. Yeah. And, you, remember, and you wake you up and you're in the lab that's yes. under attack. Yeah. You remember you and I had this conversation at Fear the Con 4. I think you had it with Paul. But, <laughs> but no, because you, know, you, you said, you, you, you said hey, when, when we get home, I'll, t- I'll talk you through it. And you call me. And I'm going to say that again. You call me. I will tell you exactly what to hit. Because I just replayed it in the week run-up to, uh, to Mass Effect 3 came out. I started playing Mass Effect 2 again. So I just played through that sequence a week ago. Okay. Wow. 2 was so good. Well, yes. and it's very pretty. But Everybody uh, spoils 2. I'm going to punch him in the okay. face. Well, in about you don't have to worry about that coming from me, Wayne, because, you know, I oh, haven't gotten three. more than three minutes in the game. Or Tim. Or Tim, or who, whatever the fuck your name is. <laughs> but hey, I got a question. You know, I, I, when I was at the theater yesterday, you know, there was a GameStop right next door, so I, I wandered through GameStop, and of course, everything is ME3 this and ME3 that, and you know, I always spend my time on the you know previously owned uh, games wall. And you know, I, I I'm seeing you know the, the games without box art, and they're still selling them for like forty nine dollars. Do people really buy games without box art for $49? I don't. I, this what leads into my rant about why I don't shop at GameStop. Because <laughs> uh, I do shop at GameStop. I, I tend to not buy my games until they've been out for at least a year. For example, yeah. I'm, I'm playing through Dragon Age now, and yeah. I have Dragon Age 2 waiting. Both of those I got for less than 20 bucks at GameStop because they're old. So I have... I have two issues with GameStop, one with the new games and one with the, the used games. My my new game issue is that if I pay $60 for a new game, the plastic had better be intact and no one had better been flitting around with it, taking it home and playing it before I had a chance to buy it. Damn straight. So wow. that's why I don't buy new games at GameStop. I wouldn't pay the money for a new game if it wasn't in the plastic. Yeah. Ex- exactly. And, and they don't. If you buy a new game at GameStop, it is not in sealed plastic. Well, and, and and my experience with GameStop is when you're when you're going back to sell your games, if you don't have the box art, you're either you know going to be punished on the uh, the the buyback, or they're not going to buy it back from you at all. Right. And so I don't understand why anybody would spend that kind of money on something that doesn't have box art. So then the second thing is the ridiculous pricing for used games. Yes. Um, they typically, I mean, and this is just my local situation. We have a local mid-Missouri store called Slackers. There's a branch up in St. Louis Wayne probably is familiar with. And if I'm going to go and, and buy a used game, I would much rather go to somewhere like Slackers. That's a regional chain and, and gives you much better buyback and gives you, they actually discount a used game more than $5 off in the first year. Wow. Well, uh, see, it's out. I've seen the opposite up here. The uh, the GameStop is cheaper on used games, but Slackers is much better on used systems. So we uh, we've actually bought two systems from Slackers recently. But I yeah I I kind of deplore GameStop. I 
I'm well, sorry. But. I, I, I kind of like them. Yeah, I'm like Wayne uh, in, in the respect that uh, I'm generally buying, you know, previously played games. And generally, I'm a year out or more because um, it takes me so long to play through a game. You know, and I have I still haven't played through Red Dead Redemption. Still trying to beat Pac Man, right? <laughs> no, I, yeah, but I I am I am the owner of Donkey Kong. Oh yeah, but uh, and Pong, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, like for instance, that Spider Man Edge of Time. What is it called? Is that what it is? Edge Edge of Time. Edge, Edge of Time's the newest one. Yeah, I, you know, I the uh, those kind of games. I'm generally a year behind on. Um, and, and you know I can pick those up for sixteen bucks at at GameStop. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm generally more of the guy who picks up the you know what do they call those series that they'll they'll repackage them after they've been out for a year. It's like the greatest hits or whatever. Collection. Yeah, game, game of the, the year, and they're generally like twenty bucks or something. You know, and I'll buy those new. Uh, that's how I bought uh, Call of Duty. Call of Duty. You that's own Call of Duty? Don't tell me about Call of Duty. No, it's okay if I call it. I just, I'm just surprised. I didn't think you were much of a shooter. Oh, I love to shoot. I like to shoot the things. Now, I call the names. About, now I'm confused about what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> now, personally, I'm still waiting for Spider-Man Edge of Time to drop in price and Batman Arkham City. I saw Edge of Time because, for 16 bucks yesterday. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I would buy it for that because it's still pretty new. Yeah. Shattered Dimensions I got for 16 Yeah. But not at Edge of Time. I yeah, I was looking for Shattered Dimensions, and I saw Edge of Time for 16 Of course, it was for Wii. Um, I and, don't want it for Wii. And uh, yeah, so I, I, last thing I'm going to ask about uh, you know electronic gaming, but uh, uh, I have promised the wife that I would get her a Wii for our anniversary. And uh, anybody got any recommendation for Wii games? Anything, made, anything made by Nintendo themselves, because most other things don't hold up. Uh, Legend of Zelda, what's, what's the one for the week called? Skyward Sword? Yeah, that's the new one. Uh, Twilight pretty good. Twilight Princess was incredible. Mm-hmm. I uh, haven't played the new one yet. Uh, anything that's like uh, Sports Resort or Resort or... Again, basically, Nintendo did a great job of releasing a bunch of good games, mm-hmm. but third-party... Has it create, been so successful? Yeah, the third-party companies didn't seem to get the hang of what they could do with the controller. So I don't think I have a single third-party game that's as good as, say, Punch-Out. Well, I was looking at one of the Star Wars games yesterday. Oh, Lego. Anything uh, Lego. uh, I was looking at Force Unleashed, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking that that might be fun with the nunchuck and lightsaber. You're playing playing a six-hour game. I'm just letting you know. The problem with the... Yeah, but you see, for me, that's probably okay. And he's probably buying it for next to nothing at this point. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, the pre-owned, it was uh, it was pretty cheap. So I had that game, and my only complaint was that uh, the wife had bought me the the lightsaber attachment for the Wii controller. Uh-huh. And on that game, it actually needs the sensor bar, and the lightsaber attachment covers that up. Ah. So you couldn't have the type of control you needed. I couldn't use my lightsaber attachment with it. Mm. But like the Lego games, I had no problem using the lightsaber attachment to just swing the sword. Hmm. See, that sounds like fun. Okay. Well, and, and Tim just recently picked up a used game too for the 360. What'd you get, Tim? I I, I listened to the way of the game. Clearly, <laughs> uh-huh. they uh, they talked me into Earth Defense Force Insect Armageddon. Is it good? It's fun. <laughs> it's it, a lot of fun. It's it's fun. Um, it's kind of a Super Nintendo game strapped to a PlayStation. 
or subscribe to an Xbox. Uh huh. But it's a whole lot of fun. There's a lot of bugs to kill. It's it's, it's a just, good. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, the the description we had was it was redneck insect killing uh, dynasty warriors. That's that's pretty close. It's it's three player co op is the kind of the key for me. So you can get three of your buddies on at once, and it is just the physics engine is solid. It's not you know uh, groundbreaking, but it's got a really nice physics engine behind it that that drives it, and it's just ridiculous explosions and fun. Oh no, I know a- Andrew. Andrew would shoot a bug and it would go flying in the air, and I'm trying to track it like a clay pigeon. And I can't really get it. It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun, and it was you know it was one of those eighteen dollar games, and so I. So you know. since we're giving since we're giving game buying advice, Tim, which Uncharted should I buy? Because I've played the demos of all of them, and I think I'm I think I would like the series. Should I start with the first Uncharted, or should I start with an Trace Grab Uncharted two? I've only played two. I couldn't tell you, but what I would say is I would probably start with one, because I, what, from what Paul says, they get better as the sequels go up. So you should play one, and then set the bar at okay, that was a B, and then move on. Because the demo for three is really good, but I'm not paying full price for it because it's still no, too new. Oh, and you know what? Some I, I was in, I was in that thing that we mentioned before, and I saw somebody brought in uh, one of the. Um, the special editions with like the tin cover. I'm like, oh man, I was because I was like I was thinking about getting it. And I'm like, I'm not paying five dollars less than full price just for the tin that somebody else already had. So yeah, I would start with one way. Let's talk about some bargains, Andrew. I, I'm all about <laughs> the bargains, Tim. And that's that was, why that, that was my lead-in. Okay. <laughs> I was looking for a follow-up. Okay, so um, <laughs> excellent. Uh, I am st- also stupid excited today about uh, uh, our, our local game store, Mahala's Gate, right there by Stadium and I-70 if you're driving through the middle of Missouri. Uh, every quarter, every six months or so, they have what they call a market day where uh, people can sign up, just people in the community can sign up, come in, and they give you a table. And you can sell, you know, whatever you want to sell. Um, and the money goes through the store. So basically, let's say I sell my third edition vampire book for five dollars. So I write up a little invoice. They go and pay at the counter, and five dollars of credit goes into my account. So everything you sell just turns into store credit essentially. So it's good for the oh, store. Cool. It's good. It's good for us because I don't have any trouble spending lots of money at the game store. Um. So. I finally decided though I was going to move my my uh, this little tabletop army I have, and so the last couple of days I've organized all 108 little guys and packed them up to hopefully sell today. What kind so. of army? Uh, so there's a steampunky game that I got into about seven years ago called War Machine. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, there's different factions. This is the Signar faction. Um, so there's little you know jack, jacks, war jacks, basically what they call them. There's little war casters. There's units of infantry, uh, various other things. So what size miniatures are these? Uh, these would be 24 millimeter Ooh. scale. You know, I I've played a couple of the uh, like the demo boxes for War Machine, and I really enjoyed it. But I have no talent whatsoever with any sort of modeling. And yeah. so, like, I don't want to make the investment because it's ridiculously expensive to get involved with it. Plus, I have no modeling ability, so I'd have to find someone else that could actually put together the models and paint them. 
And then everyone that plays is ridiculously competitive. And that's one thing with War Machine that I've kind of gotten away from. Because I've played a lot of different tabletop war games over my life. You know, uh, Warhammer, different flavors of that. War Machine, Flames of War, Malifaux, uh, Dystopian Wars. I've played a lot of different games. I gotta tell you, War Machine became, in pretty short order, kind of what I like to call a fast twitch game. Where it became very... You know, everyone's looking for that one second thing that'll end the game. Because to give you an idea, if you kill the opponent's warcaster, the game's pretty much over at that point. Did, did anybody else, when Wayne mentioned he had no modeling uh, talent, <laughs> picture him on a catwalk falling over? Because that's, that's <laughs> I, the image that came into my head. I just pictured that him says something about me. going down to somebody's basement with all this wood paneling. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take off your shirt? And a bearskin rug. <laughs> Now, if you could take off your shirt and pout for me, Wayne. <laughs> Those are horrible, horrible images. <laughs> you will all burn in hell for thinking them. Now, let's see if the carpet the scene from the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So I have to today. I have to go spend you know like all day at the game store. It's going to be rough, but I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to maintain and get through it. So, but I'm going to sacrifice and, and go. Okay, well, next, game store next all week, day. I, I want to report on uh, on how you did. If I still move this army, I'll, I may just, you know, give everything else away for free, honestly. So if I've learned nothing, it's that surviving a zombie game is all about sacrifice to Andrew. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, that, that brings me in mind of a zombie game last year, and I certainly sacrificed uh, uh, last year. You know, was it that you sacrificed or that you were, in fact, sacrificed? No, I, I was trying to save someone at the time. I was trying to sacrifice myself to get uh, to get another character out of the room before but th- they were But eaten. then a third character just wound up sacrificing you and the character you were trying to save, well, if that's I recall correctly. Once I, came, once I awoke uh, in the basement, that's, uh-huh. that's somewhat true, yes. Someone yeah. did light that mother on fire. <laughs> someone. Yeah. God damn <laughs> if only you were an experienced zombie killer like anybody from the AMC's Walking Dead. That's right. At Wayne. Wayne. I, I am loving this show. Um, you know, if you ever, if if you had any concerns that AMC's The Walking Dead was just going going to be retreading some uh, very familiar road uh, from the comics, you could not be more wrong. Uh, you know the mid-season finale. That's what killed that that idea in my head. Yeah, I mean, I know I've heard interviews with Kirkman, and he specifically said that what he is enjoying about the show is seeing, it's looking at each situation from the comic that they're bringing in, mm-hmm. and thinking of how it's different because Shane is there. Yeah, and there will be spoilers if anyone hasn't watched uh, season two, but that. That conversation let me know, too, that it's going to be different than the comics. Right. Well, the, you know, the, 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 the story that we're enjoying right now is they have uh, rescued a guy from another group. And this is a group that they've learned is there's at least 30 people. They've got, you know, high-powered weapons. They're kind of, you know, crossing the countryside like locusts and just, you know, taking what they, what they need – Taking other groups' women and killing the men, raping other groups' women, you know. So these guys are bad guys. I have a strong, strong suspicion that this is the governor's group. 
It could be. It certainly could be, uh, you know, from, from the comic. Um, but the, the guy that they rescued, because they didn't want to leave him to get, you know, chewed on by zombies, you know, their, their thing was, well, you know, we'll patch him up, we'll drive him 18 miles out of town and drop him off. And as they're about to drop him off in uh, a previous episode, they realize that this guy knows, you know, they've had him blindfolded the whole time, but he knows one of the people in their group. And it's her farm where they're camped out on. So they, you know, I'm watching that episode, and when the kid says that uh, that comment, yeah, it's I'm just shaking my head. It's like you just said the absolute worst thing you possibly could have. Yeah, you were home free and you were going to be released, and you just said something that's going to get you killed. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, the the survivalist in me was ready to put a bullet in him right then. You know, and just call it a day. But you know, Rick is a a much more thoughtful man than I am, and so loads him back in the trunk, takes him back because you know he he's pretty convinced he's going to have to kill this kid, but uh, you know for fear that he'll lead this bad group of folks to to their haven. Um, but you know he wants to think about it for a day. So in this in this past week's episode, the whole drama is what do we do with this guy and. Uh, Dale, who is one of the, the the main characters on the show and is certainly a main character in all 94 current issues of The Walking Dead, uh, you know, was really sowing well, discontent. Well, not all 94. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Up till recently. <laughs> Up till about, what, issue 80-something. Yeah, somewhere uh, in the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, has been a main character in the book. And uh, things don't end quite so well for Dale in this uh yeah, past episode. Things yeah, don't I, quite so well. <laughs> I was surprised by that, but I wasn't as surprised as the mid-season finale. Yeah. That one, their big surprise there that was a huge shift from the comics, that floored me. I I was left jaw-dropped speechless because I did not expect it at all in any way. Well, what, what's so surprising about... Uh, uh, Dale uh, exiting at the end of uh, this past episode is that you know he's been the conscience of the group. You know he's the guy who wouldn't let uh, one of the characters commit suicide. He's the guy who's been you know calling out all the the questionable things that Shane has done. You know he's the guy who in this past episode was saying, "Hey, we can't just kill this guy out of hand for crimes he might commit." You know yeah. he's been the conscience of the group. So it'll be real, real interesting to see how the uh, how the group continues on absent that voice. Because yeah, a lot of the characters have gotten much much darker than they yeah. were in the comics pretty quickly, and part of that is because Shane's there to influence them, right? And he's so, he's been such a big part of the show that they. You know, these are not good people anymore. Most of them aren't. It took longer for them to get to that point in the comics. Yeah. So to me, it sounds like Dale would be the Thistledown John of the group. That is right. That is right. Absolutely. You know, he is the, uh, the uh, you know, he's the guy who's got to die. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... We have nattered on about John Carter. We have talked about the RPG flea market. We've even talked a little Walking Dead. So now we bring you this week's version of Ragey Red Tim. Tim, rage for me. God damn it. I mentioned that I, I, I'm a little mad, Aaron. Uh-huh. And, and what happens? Wayne and Andrew 
They're like, yeah, here's my rant for the week, too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's getting in on your rage yeah, train. Yeah, everybody's getting in. You can't have it. It's mine. <laughs> Fuck you. You know. Send I'm them a there. cease and desist letter from your attorney. I, I, I about I about stroked out yesterday. Let uh-huh. me tell you why. Okay. I'm sitting here watching, I'm on the computer. We only get the one channel, right? The one channel. <laughs> and it's PBS. No, 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 no. It, it's it's ABC, whatever. My wife turns it on, and they're having whatever. Whatever their news magazine crap-ass show is, 24, some bullshit. Mm-hmm. All right? And it's all about pets. Okay. And I'm sitting there. And I, for some reason, I, I'm, I, I, I catch enough of the conversation, know what's going on, and they're talking about, they're talking about Botox for your dog, <laughs> and they're talking about a nudicle. You know what a nudicle is? Oh, this is the fake balls for your, uh, your neutered dog. Fake right? balls for your pets. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Well, so you know, it's so your dog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and they like, here's one for a Great Dane, and they got a big handful, and here's one for a Chihuahua, and it looks like a fucking marble. People spend money to put back the thing they took out of their dog. <laughs> I, uh, I, And they get Botox, and they had this guy on. I swear to God, I swear to God this happened. This guy was on there, and he's like, yeah, my dog's self-confidence has improved. His, his rapport with the female dogs has gotten better. Are you serious? <laughs> I can't. I, you know what? I wouldn't blame the Mayans or the Martians or the terrorists at this point for for killing us all because people spend money on fake balls for dogs. I I can't. I don't have fifty dollars to go buy Skyrim, but these people have thousands of dollars to make their dogs self esteem feel better. <laughs> I, uh, oh no, it, you can get a pair for one hundred and fifty. No, no, that's just it. And they had the surgeon on. He's like, yeah, it's kind of goofy. You know, but uh, people want it. <laughs> but people will pay me money to do it. Right. But the check's I, clear. <laughs> I am kind of floored that this thing even exists. So the moment you mentioned it, I looked it up online. And I'm looking at the website, nudicles.com. Yeah, yeah. I can't afford See, cable, but they're going to spend thousands of dollars to get their dog Botox because he's got a smushed up face. It's because he's a plug. <laughs> See, I, I, I want nudicles for myself. But I want to. I want to be like. I, I don't want to. You know, add something that has has gone away. What I want to do is like. You know, you, you drop your drawers and there's like eight of them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bag of rocks. <laughs> That's there's, what I want. There's no I, justice in this world. I would like Morons you to vi- make so much money that they can do that. I would like you, Aaron, to videotape your wife's response when you show her the eight. <laughs> Uh, I don't need hey, to see you. I just need to see her face. <laughs> hey, baby. You know, you know, honey, you've always been done. wanting me to have a six pack. Well, now I got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They apparently have multiple size, multiple <laughs> types. Yes. Besides just sizes, they've got the plastic ones, the natural ones that are more silicone, uh-huh. the ultra plus, which is solid silicone, not gel filled or saline filled, but feels almost liquid. Is there anything you are dangerously close pleasure? to trying to sell this to people, Wayne, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not having it. If you <laughs> listen to this podcast and you got your diagnosticals, unsubscribe. <laughs> Ultra Plus with Scar Retard. I'm a, I am a little uh, concerned. We, we skew to a very high nudical demographic. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather pod fade. Deal okay, with, seriously. Deal with Un- the re- realization that people that have nudicles. No, no, no. To this. It, it gets worse. Their website has order online. 
What are you going to do when you order these online? You're not going to install them yourself. Hey, Sparky, come here. Sparky, Sparky. <laughs> good boy. Good boy. Who's a good boy? Now, this is going to this is gonna hurt a little. This is gonna, no, no. Oh, you, you always phrase it this way, Aaron. This is going to sting just for a second. Well, even Tom. worse from the drop down. So you've got the drop order. Down. Nice. <laughs> you've got the orders original where it asks for you. They want your breed, the weight and the age. But then on the drop down, it gives you the option for single or pair. Who's going to buy single? <laughs> if um, you're going to buy it, why are you buying a single? I need four <laughs> pair. Four pair is one thing. A single, though. <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand. Uh, that boggles my mind, Tim. That's that that boggles my mind. Why they make them for cats too. Oh, oh this is horrible. Why did you tell See, us about this, Tim? And you know, a- as a dog owner, one of the nice things about having your dog neutered is that you never have to look at a sack again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm no expert, but I'm kind of wondering that if you're going to buy your do- your dog this, first of all, you're insane. But second of all, I'm not sure you're trying to save 20 bucks by ordering it online yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, and why why one? You know, Amazon needs to have a nudical uh, you know service there. No, <laughs> they really no, that way you can get it with the free shipping. <laughs> They have on their website under the the veterinary the surgical procedure section for veterinaries. They have diagram explanations of how to install these things for the vet, along with videos of procedure. This website needs to go away. Wayne, don't look at the video, man. I, I am not clicking it. That <laughs> no, you can't unsee it once you've seen it. <laughs> This is like a Cthulhu-like situation. That's burn right. the book, burn the website, and you pretend want, it never existed. I, I understand, that Iran. Point. I understand now, North Korea. I get it now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you know, we are a comic book podcast. What? I know. It seems oh. strange. I thought we were a movie podcast. <laughs> or, you know, a gaming podcast. Or perhaps a zombie <laughs> podcast. Or worse, a nudical <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I clicked the video. Wayne <laughs> is lost to us. Why? Wayne is lost to us. You know who else was lost last couple weeks? Who would that be, Tim? Spider-Man. How, wait, lost? What do you mean? In space. I said lunch, not launch. <laughs> well, far out yeah. space nuts there. Sorry. <laughs> no, I got you. So Amazing Spider-Man 680-681 is uh, a two-issue arc that is happening right before the arc I really want to see. So it's another, <laughs> it's another eight bucks i got to spend to get to the one I really want. So um, in uh, Spider-Man 680, the cover there, you know, you got Spider-Man, you know, out there on the umbilicals in space. And he's got his space suit on and he's wearing his costume under it. He's got what, what I find amusing is he's got the uh, the Future Foundation logo on his spacesuit and the little SM beneath it because you know in case you didn't know this is Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> just kind he of just does, he just doesn't want to grab Sue Storms by accident. I, I, I get that. I get that. You know? Or maybe he does. Uh, you know, it seems like over at FF they must be having a lot of trouble with branding right now because. Because, you know, they went for about a year ago from Fantastic Four to, to just FF, and now they've got both. That, that's just got to be a logistical nightmare. 
Oh no, you you got Reed Richards. He's got he's got one of the biggest brains in the world. So you know you're fine. Well, it's too bad. It's too bad his big brain wasn't there to help out with Spider-Man and the Human Torch this week. Well, you know, certainly there were some problems. You know, mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this book is a a buddy movie, buddy cop movie with uh, uh, Johnny Storm, Spider-Man. They need to head up to the Horizon Labs uh, space station and 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 fix what's going wrong up there. In the best part for me of this book was just the two of them and the back and forth. Oh, yeah. The yeah. banter between the two heroes was great. And I I, that's true in 680 a, and 681. I expressed yeah. a lot of concern before these issues came out because you know, I wasn't as on board with the title as everyone else. I uh, The idea of Spider-Man in space I thought was a horrible, stupid idea, but it was implemented so well. Mm-hmm. I loved both of these issues. I think uh, Chris Yost, I think, does a – is good writing with Dan Slott. I don't know who did what, right. but I think the uh, there definitely was a tone difference in these couple of issues with him. The artwork, again, I love the artwork on these two issues because it's not uh, not Umberto Ramos. And it may be Spider-Man in space, but it all actually logically made sense. It wasn't ridiculous to me. Well, you know, when they were pitching the book, I didn't realize that, you know, Johnny Storm was going to have a piece of this. And so I was like, you know, it seemed just the concept of it seemed ridiculous in that, you know, how is Spider-Man going to get up into space? But, you know, crisis in space, his decision to immediately, you know, head over to uh, the Baxter building makes absolute sense. You know, he's a member of the Fantastic Four, a member of the Future Foundation. You know, he can head over there, borrow the pogo plane, get up into space. And honestly, if I hadn't have seen Johnny Storm, I, w- I wouldn't have gotten these books. Yeah. No, it made I, sense. I, yeah, I was going for the whole them reconnecting thing, mm-hmm. which happened a little. But it wasn't yeah. the overall story. I I felt it was a big part of the story was them hanging out again and reconnecting. Oh, and I, and I, love the, I, I love just the, you know, beefing on each other, like <laughs> – when Johnny Storm is referring to uh, Spider-Man's spider sense, he re- he refers to it as uh, your special power that tells you when to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> or or when you know Johnny Storm is talking about how he joined the uh, the Future Foundation after he died, and Spider-Man's what man you asked me to do it in your wills, your last request. And Johnny Storm's like, yeah, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I love the acknowledging that Johnny has changed in his time that was gone and how Spider-Man has, you know, is Johnny Storm's realizing that Spider-Man's changed in that time as well. I mean, all of the new gadgets he's been implementing as part of his webbing and things like that. But that Johnny actually called him on the, if you had magnetic webbing, yes. why didn't you use it before? Yes, because I was thinking that in my head. I was like, well, why did he just – why did we have to go – this is a contrived plot point then if he yeah. could have just done this from the beginning. And then, and then sure enough, Johnny just points it out and Spider-Man's like, ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love the, the digging on him about his battle cry. No one dies. That's your, <laughs> that's your battle cry. <laughs> I, you know, and, I, and I'm curious, you know, since, you know, uh, Dan Slott and Christopher Yost wrote this together, I wonder if, if part of that is one writer commenting on the other writer's, you know, take on it, which is nice. It's nice to have the characters saying the things that you're thinking as you're reading the book, you know. So like the magnetic webbing thing, you know, the no one dies. I, I just I, I love it when that kind of thing happens. 
Well, I know. I think you in the past, or maybe it was Paul, had talked about uh, how he, he believes they kind of do this in the old Marvel way, where Dan Slott writes the plot, then, right. then you know they draw it, and then Chris Yost comes in and does, does dialogue, perhaps. And I could totally see that, where you know Dan Slott, however many months ago, writes out this plot, and then Chris Yost sees it when it's all drawn, is like, well, why did they, why did they do that if he had metallic webbing, and then just writes it in? Yeah. Yeah, I also love that. John Jameson just letting Jonah have it. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you yelling at Spider-Man? He's actually trying to help us. I, I, so I enjoyed the bantering back and forth. The other yeah. thing I think I really enjoyed about the, this two-book arc was the uh, more-than-usual nod to physics. Yes. Uh, you know, they actually deal with things like every time Johnny Storm wants to flame on, everybody in the space is like, no, no, limited oxygen, limited oxygen. <laughs> Well, and, you know, in, in issue 681, you know, cause they, they do that in 680. Hey, you know, you're going to burn up all of our oxygen. You can't do that. And so when he flames on again in, in 681, you know, they remind him. And, you know, I'm like, y'all just had this conversation because I read these two books back to back. You know, right. so it was, it was irritating to me. So it was, you know, you just told him that. And then he, he says, oh, again with the oxygen. You know, so he acknowledges that they've already told him that. It's it's there for the reader but it's also, you know, uh, uh, there for, you know, for the story as well. So I, well, I well, let's like, face I like it. The, when your only power is flame, you're going to want to use your power. Yeah. 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 But who, who's, who's looking forward to the next couple of issues? Uh, so what, what's, I think what's you are story arc. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the story arc is the, is Dr. Octopus's last master plan. Basically. So now we don't believe that of course, but, it is another Sinister Sticks run. He's looking pretty rough, though. Yeah, I don't know what else he could. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty much a brain in a jar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was annoyed by in this issue, though? What's that? I flipped open to near the middle. There's the two-page spread of yet another crossover. The uh, the Omega the Omega effect. With yeah. it's going to be a Spider-Man Punisher Daredevil crossover at the end of 481, in the middle of in the middle of 681. In the middle of 681, trust no one, hurt everyone. Three issue crossover. Oh. Yeah, this is oh, the thing. Oh, wait with a minute. That's avenging. It's avenging Spider-Man, which I don't normally read, but I'm reading Daredevil now, so I'm going to end up either missing two parts of this crossover. But this or is, I'm going to pick up two titles I don't pick up. But this is the Mark Wade Greg Rucka story. Um, that is picking up in the pages of Daredevil about that uh, that hard drive, the 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 uh, you know Fantastic Four hard drive that Daredevil uh, picked up off of you know Hydra and, and whatnot. Um, I'm excited oh, about this. I'm all about the story. <laughs> I don't want it to cross over into other books because I'm going to have to buy two books I don't normally buy now. I'm sorry. That's that's. But rough. the good news is that Mark Wade's involved, Ooh, and that yeah. is true. And Mark Wade's Daredevil. What I've been picking up lately is so good. And I'm really enjoying Greg Rucka's Punisher. I mean, I know we've not been talking about it on the show, but uh, Greg Rucka's Punisher has been fantastic. Really like it. So, I mean, I, I I have not been picking up. I picked up issues one and two of Avenging Spider-Man and just decided I didn't need that much Spider-Man in my life. But uh, I'll pick this up. Well, and something else new started out this week, uh, which was the, the, the beginning of the Age of Apocalypse storyline with number one. And I think Wayne and Aaron and I all read that this week. Yes. Yes, I did. 
I that seems <laughs> as if you have reservations about the quality of this book. I did not care for this book one little bit. I thought this book was a mess. Well, did, to explain explain yourself. <clears throat> I I will, despite reading the uh, you know previously uh, summary page on the uh, uh, front page, and you know reading this entire book, um, I'm completely lost. I have no idea who these people are, despite the fact that they're identifying them to me. Clearly, this this is picking up from a pr- a prior story. Uh, I I read the original Age of Apocalypse series, but I, I know there's been stuff in between that. Um, this was not new reader friendly at, at all. Well, here's the thing too, and so the cast did, is too big. The cast I is did, way too big. <laughs> I haven't read the X-Force storyline that led into this. Right. So I'm I'm curious about that because X-Force was good before that. I didn't like the last storyline right before Age of Apocalypse. So I had dropped the book. But I'm curious how they came to this world existing like this because they did the 10-year Age of Apocalypse thing where they went back to the Age of Apocalypse. Right. And it was nothing like this world. It was a nearly healed world with – you know, with the humans having basically taken back over and they've stayed stabilized things. And here Wolverine has taken over for Apocalypse and finished wiping out humanity. Yeah. I don't know how you get from <clears throat> that storyline to this. And I haven't read the X-Force one, but I don't know how that transition happens. Unless they just discounted the entire 10-year return to Age yeah. of Apocalypse thing. Like I said, I am completely lost in this story. Well, not even is it confusing. It, it's also slow. Yeah. Very, very slow. Well, and, and really all it did throughout you know, this entire book was just introduce all these you know different characters and the groups and the circles that they run around in. There's really nothing approaching a story in the first issue. And I understand it's serialized, but the first issue should grab me. The first issue should make me want to come back and get issue number two. And I do not. Uh, no, I'm I'm definitely not picking up issue number yeah. two. I can say that definitively. Yeah. I will be <clears throat> grabbing some Age of Apocalypse stuff and rereading it because I thought Matt Murdock was killed by the Hulk in Age of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And he's perfectly alive here and fighting. <laughs> yeah, he, se- he seems remarkably living. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I could just be misremembering that Age of Apocalypse Chronicles number two, but I could have swore he died in that fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I was I was rather looking forward to this. Um, I I be I'll absolutely own it that I was looking for the nostalgia of the original run of Age of Apocalypse, and there was nothing here that I enjoyed. I really didn't. I didn't enjoy anything in this book. So. And it it didn't feel like the Age of Apocalypse. It felt like some new world they were trying to create. Yeah, yeah. So blech. But but Winter Soldier number three. Oh, Winter Soldier number three oh, with Doombot. And I gotta say, as we had mentioned after Winter Soldier number two, the bad guys had acquired a Doombot, and and the best thing is the Doombot thinks he's Doom. Right. And they keep ordering around. He's like, you dare speak to Doom this way? And yet somehow I can't do anything (laughs) to stop you. And he wanders off confused. Why am I doing as you tell me? This is confusing. Yeah. No, I, I... Man, I've got to get myself a Doombot. Uh, That's what I thought of when I was reading this. I was reading this like, oh, this is exactly what Aaron's Doombot would be doing. Yeah. Mow the lawn? 
Doom does not mow lawns. Yet I am curiously mowing the lawn. (laughs) Doombot, give me a chicken pot pie. (laughs) So, you know, Doom, uh, there's this whole whole plot line with these sleeper agents that that have been recovered from, from, you know, Soviet era, World War II, post-World War II. Bucky Barnes, Black Widow, got to save the day. Uh, things aren't looking good for the home team a little bit, though. No, no, it, it looks a little rough for the for our heroes. But uh, you know, somehow I think I think they're going to pull it out. Even though Doctor Doom, the real Doctor Doom, not Doombot Doom, but the real Doctor Doom is being set up uh, because the Doombot has been ordered to go do something terrible at the uh, United Nations. Right, and as you guys might remember, Doom in the first issue was car bombed. Right, and so now they're they're sending this Doom bot into the United Nations with the idea that Doom can't admit that he wasn't behind it. He can't admit it wasn't him or his Doom bot. So they want basically war between Latveria and uh, I guess uh, the U.S. allies, whatnot. Yeah, but there's one panel in here, Aaron, where I saw it, and and I was like, oh, I bet. I bet Aaron just sprung wood on this. And, and that was these panel after the uh, Red Baron's uh, Kestrel agent, I guess, uh, shot uh-huh. shot the mole in the head. And uh, there's Black that, Lamb! Yeah, there's the picture of the blood flying and the guys falling backwards. And there's three monkeys in the background. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. <laughs> I just saw that. I was like, oh, I bet Aaron loved that. Yeah, I likes me some monkeys. They keep teasing us with the monkeys, though. It's monkey. still a <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 again, this this book is scratching me right where I itch. I, I just truly dig this book, and you know, I, I, I like when Doctor Doom is represented the way he is here. You know, they, they've got Doctor Doom sitting there in his embassy, you know, being thoughtful, being all very, you know, uh, executive, and uh, you know, you in the fight scene between Winter Soldier. The Black Widow and Doctor Doom, you really get that sense of what a big badass Doctor Doom is, and I like yeah. Doctor Doom like that. Doom you know? just owns both of them. Quickly. Yeah, and I mean, you, he is you know one of the primary badasses in the Marvel universe, and I like it when he is at that level. You know, sometimes folks really try to humanize Doctor Doom, or they try to make him say, "Oh, he's not all that." But yeah, Doctor Doom is all that, and the bag of chips. Which is why I need a Doombot. I so need a Doombot. So, I'm so going to Kickstarter a project to get me a Doombot. <laughs> Doombot, Do you know how... search for Jonathan Landreth. <laughs> exactly. Doombot, go get Jonathan Landreth. Bring him, bring him to me. Wash him and bring him to me. <laughs> and so starts Doombot's 20-year journey. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know what will happen when Doombot finds Jonathan Landreth? They'll podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> Doombot, find the starting game for Star Trek. <laughs> Why did my Doombot never come back? <laughs> now, it's a now, awful radio with Jonathan Landreth and Doombot. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Do you know how many issues is going to be in this first arc? Because we're we're on issue three now, and it seems like there's at least a couple more issues left in this, if not three more. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I've not heard how long this arc is going to be. Okay, but we'll see. We'll find out together, Andrew. Oh, because take yeah, my I'm hand, in, in, walk this road with me. Mm. Will you wear your Flash? Uh, I will wear my Flash uh, Converse's for you. Mm. It's, it's like heaven. I know it is. That's all I'll be wearing, though. Again, oh, it's like Jesus it's Christ. like heaven. 
<laughs> but I'm guessing the kids in Avengers Academy are wearing a bit more clothes than you are, Aaron. So uh, just a bit. Why don't you and Wayne and and Timmy tell me all about Timmy? What did you think of Avengers Academy 27? Uh, I I didn't like it, guys. What? What? Really? I I I didn't. I these other characters. The I, runaways. I I, yeah, I I could give a damn about any of them. Oh, I am a huge fan of the Runaways, but the problem is, they just like the uh, the Young Avengers lately. They only pull them out for events and things. This was the first time they've actually had character and personality again that I've seen in a while. I could not have been happier with this issue. I absolutely loved it, but I'm a fan of the characters. Yeah, no, I I didn't like it. I I thought the art was kind of kind of a, a step down from what it's been. Yeah, I didn't like the character moments. There's these two rainbow bisexuals that uh, it's just stupid. Uh, it's, I, Did you at least like Stryker's press conference? I that was a nice character moment. I thought that was funny. I thought that Lightspeed's reaction to that was was about spot on. But yeah, other than that, I no, I didn't like it. I didn't like the whole. You're okay. We're okay. We're all emo, and now we're gonna help each other. And oh, look at that! The stupid teachers are getting in the way again. Eh, yuck. I uh, I felt like it was a little too talky on the heels of two very talky issues. Um, I, I wanted to see more going on other than just the the uh, you know stereotypical your team meets my team. We've got to fight it out. I mean, I. Can we stop with the damage to West Coast Avengers Mansion? And, uh, you know, I mean, I just – why do we have to hate so hard on architecture? Why? Uh, is Avengers Academy based out of the Palos Verde Mansion? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. that God, I, it, it didn't used to be. I loved West Coast Avengers so much. They, they just moved there after the last – basically after Fear Itself. Their old location got destroyed. So they moved into the West Coast Mansion. There is a lot of West Coast Avengers going on. You got Tigra and Hank Pym right. and Hawkeye. Mockingbird? Oh, no, Mockingbird. Living she Lightning? Sucks. No. Wonder Man? No. It's Darkhawk? No, remember, Wonder Man is on the Revengers now. I did not so, know that. So. Is that John Romita's Avengers? Uh, no, it's just the Revengers. <laughs> oh. But they have Tiger's baby in this issue, and they make jokes about it being a kitten. <laughs> he's so it's, cute i want to kiss his belly oh can i pet him please miss any moon knight no shroud no uh war machine no iron man wait no there's <laughs> there's a sentinel though and they call him i they call it iron giant in this issue wait he's got his own iron giant i want an iron giant uh, actually i'm gonna digress just for a second on Sorry. the west coast avengers thing uh so Thanks to Aaron, I, I had been recently introduced to Adam Warrock, who is a nerd oh, rapper, yeah. let's say. Yeah. Yeah, I picked up his new album. I, He's in a concert going... here tomorrow. Are you going? I don't think I'm going to be able to go get over there. Aaron? Because, yeah. It's a moral imperative. I know. I, I want to go, but I don't think I'm going to get there. Well, anyway, so I, I've really enjoyed his, uh, his music. So I was going through some of his back catalog, and he did a free Browncoats mixtape, which I think is seems like it's quite popular. And then there's also a West Coast Avengers mixtape, which... Yeah. Probably isn't so popular, but oh my god, it is just like nostalgia fest for me. I like listen to it, and it's just like I'm I'm 12 again. It is it is great. 
Yeah, he's he's very talented. He actually performs here in DFW quite a bit. Does a lot of stuff with my comic shop. I'm horribly jealous. Yeah, I mean he he has been he has done a couple of like live art shows, uh, you know where they'll bring in you know uh, illustrators and whatnot. He'll do art live while he uh, performs. It's pretty cool. And he does a weekly, I guess, for Comics Alliance. He he makes a song every week about the you know things that are going on in comics that week. Yeah, he's creepy talented. Yeah, he's uh, – I've really kind of uh, become infatuated with him over the last couple of weeks as anyone following my Twitter feed has probably picked up. Yeah. yeah. But but are you guys infatuated with Action Comics these days? You know, I bought Action Comics number seven in error. <laughs> I I saw Superman on the cover and I thought it was Superman number seven. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I after having dropped Action Comics, I picked this one up by mistake. Whoops. I, I've infatuated with the back of the book. The Steel backup story? Yes. Yeah. The Steel backup I, story is really very good. If I were doing a uh, – if I were picking what they would do for the next wave of the new 52, mm-hmm. it's Steel. Yeah. I mean they they have done a really good job of creating this character and the backups that they've had in the last few issues of action with steel have been really good. Yeah. No, I agree. I, the uh, the steel stuff is great. Uh I am less uh taken with the main story going on in action comics though. We do get to see where Superman gets his uh his clothes from. You know, because all through the first six up issues of uh, Action Comics, he's been running around in a pair of blue jeans that don't fit him, and a Superman T-shirt, and a cape that seems like it was, uh, you know, made out of a towel. Yeah, and I was so shocked to see where he got the costume. I had already forgotten last week when they already told me in Superman that's where he got gets it. Yeah. Was it I a am- tailor guy who like wants to put advertisements on it to help? You know. How'd you know? I totally. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I I am so annoyed with DC for spoiling the storyline mm-hmm. on in all of their other books. It's like they're trying to tell you you should be reading Action Comics. Here's what's happening. Yeah. So all the other Superman stories, they're giving spoilers to how what's going to happen in this one. I I don't get why they're doing that. It doesn't make any sense to me at all, and it's annoying because I was I read the other books and then I knew what was going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And this has been a mediocre story at best that is being spoiled. Yeah, a mediocre story can't handle being spoiled. <laughs> no, I I didn't like it. I, I felt like I was wasting my time with this book, with the exception of the steel backup. And the steel backup is so good. I yeah. I, I want them to take that creative staff because it's a different writer, it's different, you know, different artists and such. I want them to take them. Yeah. And give them their own book. Yeah. Because I would buy it. Well, and the the Brad Walker art is just so fantastic. He does such a nice job uh, drawing Steel's armor. Very expressive uh, facial expressions on, on Steel. I'm looking forward to seeing Steel in the modern day, since yeah. this is supposed to be five years behind. Right. Because he's already making comments about, okay, next version of the costume, a helmet. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig it. I dig it. So anyway, I won't be picking up Action Comics again. I'll I'll pick up Steel when they collect it somewhere because <laughs> it's not worth the time. The 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 main course of that book is just not good. But I'm still very excited about Superman number seven, where Dan Jurgens uh, uh, and Keith Given uh, jump on the book. So well, and this is the last part of that Steel story. So 
I don't know what they'll do in it next. I uh, I've been picking up Superman all this time, so I'm I'm you know looking forward to their to the jumping creators. I wasn't happy with the last storyline at all, but I have faith in Jerkins. Yeah, I do too. I do too, and and I, I have always enjoyed his work on Superman. So I'm I am I am ready to jump back in. I'm sure he won't deliver lines like we had in Avengers Academy, like "You made me pee in my pants." But yeah, still, yeah. Oh, I can't believe you guys didn't like the book. I loved it so much. It it was my book of the week. I mean, yeah, the fighting was contrived. Yeah, it was the typical hero versus hero battle, but. I just like seeing these characters and hearing them talk. Well, what about Manhattan Projects? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. It, uh, the concept reminds me a lot of the, the sci-fi TV show Eureka. Now, uh, Manhattan Projects is by Jonathan Hickman, right? Yep. Okay. And it from kinda... Image, from Image Comics. Yep. I said okay. it, remind, it reminds me a lot of Eureka without the comedy, mm-hmm. where basically – you know, you take a the concept of the government puts all of the best scientists in this location to do the really big projects, and they have to do some public projects like the atomic bomb, but that's not really their focus. That's just you got to do that to get your funding and to to have something that the press can actually see. That's their the Manhattan Project being built to make the atomic bomb. That's their cover story, right? This book was just not for me. How so? I don't, I don't. Well, okay. In my opinion, I the art was was not good. I agree. Art was I, bad. I, I I don't like it because it tried to be something kind of nineteen forties, but I don't know. It kind of tried to do the Fallout thing with the art, and it just it just wasn't working. And as far as the story goes, I, I guess I just wasn't interested. Because the whole the whole part of the first story is a description of how how this one guy that we just met isn't the guy that they that we were led to believe. Right. But it doesn't really matter because we just met him like four pages ago. We haven't had an opportunity to like know the one guy, so it's not really much of a twist if you know at the end of the book, oh, he's really not the guy that you thought. Well, do you do? We're invested anyways. And to be you honest, know? I thought it was going one direction, and then they drop a portal and samurai robots come out of it and that kind of the ending of it did kind of hurt the book overall i thought i kind of liked the direction they were going with it and i thought it was going to be interesting and it became a the uh the japanese have just dropped a portal in the middle of your base and now we're fighting samurai robots i'm sorry image it just wasn't good it just was not good i mean you know if you like if you like world war ii stuff you know, it might be worth the flip through, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I found it interesting. I wouldn't go so far as to say it was good, and I, I don't plan on getting issue two or reading issue two. It certainly wasn't a nudical, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I wouldn't. I well, wouldn't what can be? I mean, once once you've achieved, you know, nudical, I mean, everything's kind of downhill from there, right? <sighs> Everything's everything's fuzzy and red from there. But. <laughs> hey, hey, Aaron, I, I ordered your dogs a four pack, so they're on their way. Okay, because both your dogs are neutered. Size, right? So it's gonna be hard for them to walk. Yeah, you know, uh, Walter and Homer are both neutered, but you know, if you'd get me a, a you know a uh, a six pack, I could put some on uh, on my female as well. So <laughs> <laughs> why, why leave them out? Her out. 
Everybody gets balls. <laughs> balls for everybody is the title of this show. I, I think it is. <laughs> oh, uh, how about Nudicalicious? Well, you, you know, know <laughs> the very nice people at the anime store were asking me about the podcast that I was on, and I gave them links to the you know just yesterday, so I could just imagine now. The first time they'll listen to an episode or they'll go out to see an episode, <laughs> it being titled Balls for Everyone. Balls for Everyone. I mean, it could be worse. I mean, this is a, a truly It has been worse, worse, to be fair. <laughs> it has been worse. This is a taint burger level. <laughs> oh, God. Don't bring that up <laughs> <laughs> Although I do enjoy the sponsorship of Ruby Tuesdays. Uh, it's it's nice to get a free meal once a week. Yeah, so this portion of the show would be what we're asking what's coming out next week. So what is coming out next week? What I don't is know. That's why out? I asked it because I don't have any idea. I don't you know either. this to be prepared? Usually that's Paul and, you know, he's not here, so. Um... Now, to be fair, I mean, it's not often a young man gets to go to Amsterdam. So let's. That's let's right. Get, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you it's, know. It's this trip. Yeah, it's a business trip, and uh, you know he's out there enjoying the uh, the legalized prostitution and the legalized marijuana, and uh, you know doing things that you just can't do in Virginia. Or, or possibly that's what he asked us to tell you, and he's really grounded by his parents. That's right. You know, uh, his uh, parents have listened to the show, and uh, you know we're not uh, we're not quite so pleased about all the Paul's mom jokes. So uh, we are apparently a bad influence. On <laughs> so Paul is on restriction. That, that we tell a better Paul's mom joke than his dad does. <laughs> yeah, one of the people that submitted the jokes was actually his dad. He's upset that he didn't win. Yeah, yeah what do you think the odds are of us getting Paul's dad out here for Fear the Con? <laughs> to kick our asses? Probably pretty good. <laughs> no, guest of honor. <laughs> guest of honor. Paul's dad. Yeah. 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 I'm sure Paul would be down for that, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> he'd be thrilled. I, I I feel like he'd be thrilled. Uh-huh. Why don't you effort that, Andrew, and see what happens? <laughs> I will uh, see if I can't get some sort of synergy going between Delta Airlines and Fear the Con and uh, the Drurian to make go. this happen. Tim, is your uh, game full up for uh, uh, your 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 Rogues of Rainsboro game? Yeah, one alternate left. Okay, so you know, uh, go and check the FearTheCon.com website, and you you might get one of the lucky alternate positions in that game. I know that uh, I will be posting my zombie game here shortly, so you might check that out as well in slot three. It'll be uh, cool. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Uh, and then Ghosts of Rainsboro, our supernatural setting for Rainsboro in slot number four, should be posting shortly. And then uh, <laughs> this will <down. coughs> That's right. Yeah, we we brought in a rigor GM for that one. That's right. And then uh, my uh, Squires of Rainsboro will be uh, posting probably in April. So. Now, now, Aaron, remind me. Well, let, let, trivia questions. I actually do remember. Yes. Um, how long did it take last year for that uh, zombies game to fill up? Uh, I think it was 15 minutes or less. It was about 12 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty fast. It was pretty. Fast. I went diving for my computer when I saw <laughs> you post it last year. I was like, oh my god! And I I think I got the fifth spot. Now, so the question is, was it worth it? Uh, yeah. Okay. The rage I've carried in my heart for yeah. the past year for 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 a child named Kobe has kept me warm through this long winter. 
I have I to hug, tell I you. I hug my Zag nuts every day. I have <laughs> I have already written the opening scene for that game, for the you know the opening scenario. Right. And it makes me giggle with delight. <laughs> I, I, now I don't want to say that that probably bodes ill for any player in the game, but, but it does. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I just giggle, and I, I have shared it with a few people, including my wife. And my wife is like, You're, "There's something wrong with you." <laughs> so yeah, I'm I just I am tickled. Be and, and it's one of those things that's so obvious to me. I was like, "Why? Why didn't I think about this?" You know, like in Fear the Con One, you know. But uh, anyway, you'll enjoy it. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a bloodbath. I'm very. And this is gonna be uh, slot three, I believe, right? Slot three, Friday night. All right, I need to cancel my battle talk, battle tech game then. Okay, all right. Well, you might not have to, Andrew. Yeah, you might well, not. Make, you might not I, make the cut. <laughs> I might make. I might. Well, that's true. I'm, I should probably wait. I might make the second half of the uh, of the the zombie uh, the battle tech game because you know I'm <laughs> dead by halfway through yeah. the zombie game and then I can just you know scooch on I was over. Just thinking, yeah, Aaron, you should just seat twelve people and then like six of them die in the first. Like, you know, if if you did that, if you just killed off, you know, half of the table in the first thirty minutes of the last game on Friday night, don't you think that pretty much makes you an asshole? <laughs> yes, yeah, but actually, that, yeah, but why would you? That, I don't see how that would stop stop you. <laughs> true, true. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you guys, I want you to go out there and uh, make it a good week, especially you, Tim. I'm gonna scrub everything from my brain and try to start over fresh. I, I you know, I'm. I, we we're gonna order you some nudicles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, but we're gonna give them to your wife instead. See, now what I think they need to do is, I think they're, you know, the nudicles is a good first step. But now they need to do something with the sack. You well, know, you know, dazzle it, or you know, uh, <laughs> make it one like one of those crown royal bags. Yeah, you know, you know monogrammed. Yeah. You know, velvet. Yeah, we. I'm just picturing we could send Juanita some some nudicles and she could just keep them like in a in a bag and carry yeah. them around. Just like, oh yeah, these are Tim's. No, I was just thinking that Wayne missed that joke. Good on you, Good on you Andrew. You're welcome, buddy. I am not the new Paul of this fucking podcast. I will find a bitch. <laughs> You've got a knife. His name might be Andrew. Huh? I am not the new Paul. Nice. You guys have a week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. God damn. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Chicken pot pie!